Hello, and welcome to another episode of Professional Book Girl. My name is Kayla, and I read a ton of books so that I can recommend the best to you, and that is what we are doing today. This is a huge episode. I'm very excited to get into it. So you can tell by the title, this episode is the January wrap-up. This is the first of a new monthly segment where at the end of each month, I will be chatting through every single book I read in that month. So you are going to hear about 21 books on this episode. Yes, I ended January with 21 books. Two of them were audiobooks, So that is 19 physical books read. I feel like you guys listening just understand that that's how I read. Um, it's more so like the random people who find my Instagram that are like, what the heck? Like, do you not have a life or friends or a job? I actually don't have a full-time job right now. So that is part of why I'm able to read so much. But honestly, this is just like the pace that I've been reading at for a few years now. I think my average for the last three years has been 18 books a month. So um, this is just really kind of on course with that. And it's so funny because around the like 10th to 15th of every month. I'm always like, I am so behind this month. I'm not reading as much. And then it gets to the last week and I'm like, oh my God, I actually read so much. I don't know why that happens, but I have like a little freak out about it every month and it always ends up being fine. Not that it wouldn't be fine if I didn't read 20 books in a month. I just get very overwhelmed by the amount of unread books that I have to and want to read. So it makes me feel accomplished the more books that I have read in a month, but that is what we'll be doing on this week's episode. Before we get into that, though, we do have a January book club pick. That episode is dropping on Thursday. I have already recorded it. I'm so excited for you guys to hear all of my thoughts on Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Oof, I don't know. I think I'm coming in with an unpopular internet opinion, but what I've gathered from the DMs is that maybe it's more of a popular opinion than what people may have expected. And yeah, all that to say, tune in on Thursday for that book club episode. I also announced the February book club pick in that episode. I'm very excited about it. So um, just you got two episodes of Professional Book Girl this week. How exciting for everybody involved. Before we get into the episode, though, I just want to remind you to please make sure you're following, subscribe, whatever is yet your whatever podcast platform you are listening on. That is a free way to support me. Leave me a rating and review if you feel so inclined. Reading that make me very happy. Follow me on Instagram at care what. Follow the show at Professional Book Girl. And you can go to bookshop.org slash professional book girl to buy everything that all the books that I talk about actually I don't know how I'm gonna do it for this episode because they are just so freaking money but um we will see what happens so usually this is the part of the show where I talk about what I'm obsessed with but on these monthly recap episodes I'm going to give my rose and my thorn for the month of January I obviously stole this from housewives and I will say my rose was marrying Tom because that is one of my all-time favorite uh OG Roni moments when Luann threw that zinger out there. Um I had a very strange month and it's really interesting because I always say I got um I have like opposite seasonal depression. Like I get sad in the springtime. Like I hate March. That's always when it hits me. But I kind of felt it a little bit this January. I think because my December was so, so busy. I had such a great month. If you followed my Vlogmas, you kind of could see like I had like nice, fun, chill days too, but every single weekend I was jam-packed and then I was home for close to three weeks, which um, the time I was home in January was definitely like more chill and relaxing, but there's something different from then like being at home at my mom's house versus being home in my apartment. And I just had like a very quiet month this month, which I actually kind of usually 
enjoy that, especially when like I know I have February is a busy month for me. Um, I'm going on my first bachelorette trip in February. So that will be really interesting. It is for my brother's fiance. So um, I'm sure I will have stories to share about that. But I just found myself getting, I spent the first week of January still at my mom's on Long Island and it was like pretty chill because my sister had left. She went back to the city. My mom was back at work. And like I've mentioned on the show a bunch of times, but if you're just tuning in, I do not have a full-time job right now. I am working freelance though, but like I have been looking for a full-time job for a bit now. And um, I think think I was able to distract myself from the panic of that over the holidays. And it really, really hit me this month. Like when I was just suddenly like sitting alone in my mom's house and like I, it's very different when I'm home on Long Island versus here in New York city, because here I could just go for a walk and like do anything. And it feels much more less isolated because that whole week my mom had work. So like she had to take the car, you know, or I could have like woken up and like dropped her off, but I wasn't going to do that. So, um, I, yeah, so I really, I, when I feel down, I always look for comfort in books, but, um, I had, I, and I felt good coming back to the city. I was excited to be back get into my routine. I love my apartment. I gave my bedroom a bit of like a refresh. I kind of, I shared some of my new decorations, but I got, I really got all new bedding. I got a new mirror, like my Christmas gifts I asked for. I wanted to just like a little bit of a refresh in my bedroom. So I was excited to come back and do that. And like, I really love it. I'm really happy with how my space looks right now. And like, if you, like when you live in New York city, like your room is like, I have two roommates. So like I decorate in the living room too, but like my bedroom is really like my home, you know? So, um, I was happy about that. And then, um, I, it just got to a point in New York and I know like all over the country, it was very cold, but when it gets so cold here, it, is so isolating because like I won't just go for a walk then because it's like actually painful. Like I try to walk for 30 minutes every single day, whether it's on my walking pad treadmill thing in my apartment or like ideally to like leave the house for at least 30 minutes every day, just like go for a walk around my neighborhood, grab a coffee, like run errands or anything. But like I wasn't even really going grocery shopping when it was so cold because it was just so freaking cold out. And I literally had like 10 days where I was kind of just like, hold up in my room and I started getting like, I started feeling myself slip into a depression and I just really was like, I don't want to do this right now. I just didn't want to be depressed. So I did everything I could to combat it. And I think during this period, I was getting very like, I was just like basically like a prisoner in my bedroom because it was so cold out. And I was like, and also this week I I just had no plans. And like usually at least once a week, like I'm meeting up with friends and like going out to dinner. So like I was like, I have no friends and I have no job and I can't, it's so hard to get a job right now. And I was getting so down about that. And I was just like, what am I doing with my life? And I just got like, had like an existential crisis really. But then the next week it warmed up and I had plans and I was out in the world. And I hate, I hate that this is true, but I've been working out a lot more after that like week of depression. And it just like sucks that working out does make you feel really good. So I ended the month kind of coming out of that hole, but I definitely was feeling really down for most of this month. Um, But I did find so much comfort in my books like I always do. And I also was watching a lot of TV this month because I pretty much was just spending like the full days in my apartment for like half the month. So um, I've already told you guys about like the Bravo shows I was obsessed with, but like Salt Lake City was so good. Southern Charm was so good. Beverly Hills Miami are also on right now. And then I am obsessed with the traders. I think it's funny that like 
I've been getting DMs and texts from people being like, hey, there's this new show I think you should watch. And I'm like, yeah, like I was obsessed with season one too. Um, I'm obviously up to date with the traders and it's season two is just so, so good. And like, if you're not aware of what this is, it is a game show where this season it is all reality stars. So there's like four people from Bravo. There's people from Big Brother. There's people from Survivor. There's people from Love Island. Um, I think those are all of the shows. And they're like in a house, they're like in a castle in Scotland and three of them are traitors and they like are murdering the faithfuls and like they have faithfuls have to figure out who the traitors are and it's a game of like deception and like it's mind games and it's just so, so good. The first season was half reality stars, half normal people. And that was like interesting to watch in the sense of how like normal people just couldn't wrap their heads around they were playing a game. But this season is all reality stars. And it is so, so good. It is like the highlight of my week right now. Like I'm looking forward to Thursday nights. Like I just can't wait to watch Traders every week. It is so good. And then the other night I started watching Masters of the Air, which I mentioned on a previous episode that I was looking forward to starting this. Um, Apple released the first two episodes and then it is weekly. And this stars Austin Butler, Callum Turner, Barry Koenig. Is that how you say it? And like a whole bunch of other cute guys. And it is about like a World War II um, I don't know the real aerial brigade. I'm going to say and pretend that's correct, but it is like, uh, so obviously I was thinking a lot about um, my World War II historical fiction surrounded, uh, that is based on women while I was reading these. Cause it is like the only women in these are like the women working on the base. Like you're really following these stories of these men and it's like, Oh, whatever. I would prefer if we were following stories of like women during World War II, but these guys were like doing really insane and scary and brave shit. So I am admiring their courage and like wa- enjoying watching them go on these insane basically like suicide missions to fight the nazis but um it reminds me of the flight girls which is a historical fiction about um women who were flying i think it was in something with the de- with the w um the waifs or something i think it might have been called the british uh legion of that natasha luster has one of her books covers like the women who were flying during world war ii um but it is just like so it's very different reading about a battle versus watching it and like watching them in these planes which are so freaking rickety and like shaky and they just like don't seem like real planes i'm like how the heck is this thing even flying let alone like they're at war um and it is just like very beautifully shot and Part of that includes the beautiful men that are in it that I am like very much enjoying watching. I told you guys a few weeks ago, I, not, I have a crush on Callum Turner and I was like, I actually remember his name now. Um, and I, he, his character was like, I wasn't expecting his character to be like that, but him and Austin Butler are best friends. I'm just like, yes, like two hotties, best friends. I actually, I was at dinner the other night um, and we were talking about like, because I was like, guys, I officially have a crush on Jacob Lordy. And we were just like talking about like catching up on like the latest hot guys, you know, as you do. And we were pulling up pictures of them. And it was like very fun. But um, my friend was like, she doesn't think, she doesn't find Austin Butler attractive, which like her and I never agree. So I was like, whatever, I expect that from you. But I was like, I saw him at, when I went to the Iris tour in LA, the night that I was on the floor, I like did a few laps because if you follow anything with Taylor Swift, you would know that like there were two VIP tents on the floor. So like every I was on the floor once in LA and once in New York. So like both shows I would obviously you gotta like check out who's here, you know? And I saw Austin Butler and Taylor Lautner talking to each other. And Austin had a mask on. He was like the only like one in their area with a mask on and he was still so beautiful even with the mask on i will maybe i will post if i remember i will post the photo i posted on carrot about at the time but it was just like 
very exciting. Um, I'm like so not doing this in the way that I said that I was. I just glanced at my notes and I have rows and then a list and thorn and then a list and whatever. This is just like how I do it. I feel like you guys are used to how I talk about things right now. It's very much stream of consciousness over here. Um, but my rows that I didn't mention is that I started do Pixint. So I I didn't want to talk about this, but my life has changed this month. This month, so I do. I am going to talk about it. I have shared on Karen what kind of briefly um, that I have been suffering from severe eczema for a year and a half now. Like I've been suffering from eczema for much longer, but it has been classified severe for that time. And like, um, if you you if you're watching this on YouTube or on Spotify, you can probably see on my face a bit. Usually, my hands look like kind of crazy. Um, in the last few months, it just got to the point where like 80% of my body was covered, which was the first time that had ever happened. And I was literally in constant pain. Like I, it was thinking about all the books you read about people in chronic pain. Like I was always uncomfortable where like, I actually got used to being uncomfortable and I explored every single avenue. I wanted to find the root cause. I couldn't, it ended up just being that my, like multiple doctors have just said to me at this point that I just suffer from chronic eczema and that just is what it is. So I decided to do Dupixent, which is a shot that I get every two weeks. Um, at first I was like very much against this because it's right now it's like an indefinite thing. And I was just like, that really freaks me out. And I had a bad experience with a previous dermatologist and she was like, she was saying I would have to give it to myself, which like most people do, but I have a new dermatologist now who is really, really great. I've been seeing her since the fall and we've been on like this plan and this mission together. And we ended up deciding that I was going to do Dupixin. I was so looking forward to it. I would have started a bit earlier, but um, like I mentioned, I don't have a full-time job right now. So my health insurance has been a huge dramatic fiasco for the last few months, but I finally got that all sorted out. And now I am on it finally. I've only had two shots so far, but I have noticed a huge difference already. I am not itchy 24-7. I'm sleeping through the night finally. My skin feels soft, which like I didn't even realize that I forgot what that felt like until I just like rubbed my arm one day and I was like, Oh my, like I got emotional. <laughs> like my skin finally felt soft. So most of my body is like, I'm not as red everywhere anymore, but my face and my neck, unfortunately, are like the last ones, like still holding out. But even when I went for my second shot, she was like, I can see your face healing so much. So it's just like such a relief. Um, and I'm so happy that I did it. And if you have had a negative experience with two picks in, please don't tell me. Like I, can't, I was worried to even come out and say on the internet that I was doing this. I know people mean well, but I have explored every single avenue and it got to the point where like it, for over a year, this has been affecting my daily life. And I just got to the point where I was like, I cannot live like this anymore. So this was the last resort for me. And thank God, knock on wood, it is working. That is my rose of the month. Like that's really the number one rose. Um, but yeah, so enough about my weird my weird month, weird, weird January, but you know, I'm ending it on a better note. I had a really great last few days. I feel like hopefully, um, tides are changing for me. I don't want to speak anything into existence before it happens, but I'm feeling a bit hopeful about my immediate future, which is a nice feeling. Um, and also speaking of feeling hopeful, 
There are so many great books coming out. My February TBR is so stacked. I am recording this. What The day this comes out, I will be going to the midnight release party for Crescent City 3 that night. So this whole week, I am going to be reading Crescent City 3, which I am so, so excited about. We will be talking about Crescent City a bit in this episode. So I guess without further ado, it is time to start talking about 21 books. So pour a cup of coffee, get a glass of water, get a pen, get your Goodreads out, get your notes app out, whatever you got to do. I'm not going to be doing full reviews for all of these things because we will be here for literal hours. But I don't know. I feel like you know me. And once I start talking, sometimes I just never stop. So drum roll, please. I'm not editing in a drum roll because that just seems too complicated to me. But imagine it in your head. Here we go. I'm going in order of the ones that I read. So this was my first book of the year. It was the first book of January and it was A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Maas. This was a reread for me and I loved it even more on this reread. And now A Court of Silver Flames is very interesting. It is part of the Akatar series, but I kind of look at like Akatar as like one, two, three, like when I read the series, I thought was all it was at the time, you know, and it felt like a completed series. And then she added this one and we know we're getting more in this series, but it's kind of like season two of Akatar, if you will. And this one follows Nesta and Cassian. And the first time I read Akatar five years ago, and when I read Silver Flames, when it came out like three years ago, I like, I loved them. I was like already obsessed with Nesta. I loved the journey that she was on. I'm obsessed with Cassian. He is officially my number one uh, Sarah J. Mass guy. But reading it this time around, I think because as I told you, like I was feeling depressed too. Like it hit me so much harder. I've always identified with Nesta. Like there's something in her that is like the stereotypical oldest sister from a family that has gone through trauma, like innateness in her that I just always related to. But I saw, like I've told you guys, like 2023 was just not a good year for me. And I saw even more of myself in Nesta. And you, this isn't a spoiler, but you follow her on this like journey out of like depression, really. And, um, I just felt, and this is so nerdy, I can't believe I'm even admitting this, but like after I read this book all month when I was trying to battle my own demons and darkness, I would just like say over and over my head, like Valkyrie, Valkyrie. And whenever I was working out, I would just be like Valkyrie, Valkyrie. And I would think about Nesta and Cassie and that will only make sense if you've read this book. And it really helped me. Um, and it was like very therapeutic reading this. So I loved it even more the second round. It has come to mean so much to me, just this one book and these characters. And I just love them. I love them. I love them so much. Um, SJMOTP. But um, yeah, so I gave it five stars both times I read it. But I do, I do want to say, I think I talked about this when I was talking about my year in review. Um, of reread for five stars doesn't really count to me as a new five star read. So there are there are two rereads that I had. Oh no, I reread four books this month, which is really really crazy because I used to famously not be a rereader, but. Um, I, you know, I'm doing my rereading childhood favorites and then I feel like rereading fantasy doesn't count as rereading cause I'm not rereading it. Cause I want like, obviously I, cause I want to revisit it, but also it's like, like me rereading Crescent City one and two was like homework, you know, for the next book. So this doesn't count as my first five-star read of the year just because it was a reread, but it was a great way to kick off the year. Um, and that was A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Maas. 
The second book was The Second Chance Year, which I gave three stars. Also, I just want to say that I did no preparation for this episode beyond listing out all of the books that I read. So all of this is top of the head. I probably won't be able to tell you any character names. Um, this is just all all from my memory. So this was the second book that I read this year. And this is a, I guess it's like a second chance romance book. Um, the main girl, I obviously don't remember her name. We meet her on New Year's Eve and she is just like really down. She had a horrible year. She was fired from her job as like a pastry chef at a big uh, New York City restaurant. And because of that, she had to move out of her apartment and she has been crashing with her younger brother's best friend. And that night, like she has a really bad night and she, well, first she like goes to this party with her best friend and is like circus themed and she meets the psychic and she goes in and like she wishes for a redo of her year. And then she leaves the party and she goes home and her and the brother's best friend like have this moment but then she falls asleep and she wakes up and it is one year in the past so it's still new year's day but it's new year's day of the year before and she basically is getting to relive her really bad year and this appealed to me because 2023 was a really bad year for me um but we end up following her but i had so many gripes with this book so like there's so much at play here that like The romance just – I don't know why it was really billed as a romance because it just took such a backseat to everything else happening in this book. So you're following her as she's going through these career struggles and she thought the guy she was with was the love of her life and now she's realizing maybe not because of her bad year did teach her all of these lessons and she has all these different perspectives – all of this perspective is perspective she has different perspective now as she is reliving this year um she there's a lot with her parents like a lot going on there like the romance just like really like it it's there but it's like not and i just didn't understand kind of what this author was really trying to do with this i gave it three stars because i couldn't put it down otherwise i probably would have given it two stars like i was more curious like what's going to go on with her job? Like, what is she going to end up doing? Like, um, I think the premise of reliving a year is really interesting. And that is what appealed me to this book. But I just like, it didn't do it for me. It didn't work for me. There were just way too many things going on. I feel like it could have used like a heavier hand in editing. Um, It felt like a few different books in one. So I gave that three stars. Um, And so usually all of my one and two stories at my DNFs, I donate. But some three-star reads I donate, and this is a three-star read that I will be donating. I just don't feel the need to keep it. The next book that I read was The Gentleman's Gambit, and this is the fourth and final book in the League of Extraordinary Women series. And this is a feminist romance series that I started reading many years ago. It actually, the first one, Bringing Down the Duke, was the first book that I read when I moved into the apartment that I currently live in like four years ago. So I've been on a wild journey with this series, and I have read them all. And I realized reading this one that I actually don't like this series and I don't know why I kept reading them. And I think I just felt like I had to. The first one was my favorite, but I wonder, I don't know if I would have rated it as highly now. I liked in that first book, I remember um, I enjoyed learning about the suffrage movement in England because that really is what this whole series is about and I learned so much in that and I had actually read that book and then I went shortly after I went to London for the first time and I remember like 
seeing a statue of like Emily Pankhurst and then she had been mentioned in the book and I was like oh like that's cool but um the rest of them just didn't do it for me and I actually decided I'm going to be donating the whole series because I just don't feel the need to keep them on my shelves like I actually didn't really I didn't love any of them they are all too long like they're all 400 pages and like they could all be knocked down by a hundred. Like they just get to a point where it really drags on. I do love like there's so much here that is good, and I understand why people really love this series because it is it is so feminist set in a period of time that is like so not feminist, and it's so interesting to learn about the women who were fighting for this movement. And you it like you really get an education reading them, and the romance bits are really fun too. Like specifically the portrait of Scotsman I like I loved the main couple but just all of them like just something like didn't really connect for me and I just couldn't fully love them and I think maybe because they dragged on for so long so I guess I'm glad that I finished this series but I kind of don't know why I guess I was just like signed up for this obligation to finish this series and part of my wanting to DNF more in 2024 is like not feel like I need to keep reading books by authors when I don't enjoy them so this kind of falls into that the next book I read was Private by Kate Bryan, which I have already told you guys about. So if you want to listen to my whole spiel about that, you can listen to – it's on a previous episode. I don't remember the episode number off the top of my head. I also filmed a Care and What Wednesday video about that. You can go watch that on my Instagram. This was a childhood reread for me. I will be rereading this series all through this year um, really quickly. It is about a girl who moves to a very exclusive boarding school in Connecticut and the shenanigans and happenings that happen to her there. And this was my favorite series as a teenager. It really kind of defined my life and my love of reading. So um, that was a four-star reread, and I am very excited to continue the series. Next up, I read Ruthless Vows. This was the sequel slash like finale to Divine Rivals. I really liked this book. I gave it four stars. I read it pretty quickly. I couldn't put it down. Um, hard to talk about a sequel without spoiling too much, but I thought it was very interesting how when I covered Divine Rivals on here, I said that um, it seemed like more of the fantasy was coming in the second book, and that was very much true, and I really liked um, – I just really liked it. I liked how it ended. I liked how it played out, but it included my – like I think at this point it's my least favorite trope in the world, and that is – when someone when they like don't remember the other person and I just hate it because it feels like you're wasting time in the book and it's like re like I guess there's something to be said about them like re-falling in love I guess but it's just like it's annoying to me because it's like we already did this in the first book you know like why do we have to do this again it just happens in another fantasy series that I read and I'm a little bit worried I'm worried that it's going to be coming up in Crescent City 3. Um, but yeah, that trope being in there, even being said, I still really enjoyed this book. I really like this is really great duology. I gave both books four stars, so it is a four-star series for me. I'm excited to see what this author comes up with next. The next book is The London Bookshop Affair, and this is a Cold War historical fiction. And this is a niche in the historical fiction genre that I'm actually really interested in. And it felt very timely reading this in like post-Oppenheimer world. And I was like, um, well, I read this before Oscar Noms and stuff came out. But um, I, oh, I wasn't always interested in the immediate 
years after World War II. Like when I read The Hunters by Kate Quinn, I kind of didn't love it. But I think if I had read that book now, I would have come to appreciate it more. Like I have said on this show before, like I, you, when you're like so into history and historical fiction, you kind of like go through phases with the genres and there's some that always hit, but some of them that like, it takes you a bit longer to get into. Like I was talking about this when I was saying that the Gilded Age used to really stress me out. And then I came to really like love and appreciate and love reading about that time period. And that is how I felt with the Cold War. I kind of wasn't really into it. I think because it is so complex and there's just, it spans such a long period of time and there's so much happening, but I read A Woman of Intelligence, and that is Cold War historical fiction, and that kind of got me into the genre, and there really aren't too, too many Cold War historical fiction for me to recommend. I know there's um, – I think it's A Most Clever Girl um, by – I think it's Stephanie Marie Thornton who wrote that, which is about Cold War, um, a Russian spy. Beatrice Williams has a few Cold War historical fiction, but beyond that, like I haven't read too many, so I'm always excited when – a Cold War historical fiction. How many times have I just said Cold War historical fiction? But I'm always so excited when one um when one of them like crosses my desk. So this was sent to me by the publisher and I picked it up immediately. I was very excited to read this. So this is about a girl who lives in London and she works at a rare bookshop and one day it's like owned by this couple and they are forced to sell and a new owner comes in and kind of everything about her life changes and her parents are like super strict and protective and she ends up learning this huge mystery about her family that kind of plays into this greater mystery because now that there's this new owner at the bookstore um all of these new characters are appearing and at the same time these political protests are happening in london um like outside the u.s embassy because they're protesting like nuclear arms and the nuclear arms race between America and Russia, obviously. And this takes place around Bay of Pigs time. Um, and she is, the main girl is really involved in those protests. And then at the same time, she's meeting all of these people and wink, wink, and a lot of stuff happens. And I like, it was so fascinating. I couldn't put it down. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, if you, I feel like it might be like a good introduction to Cold War historical fiction because, because she's so into those like nuclear protests, like they do a good job explaining um, a lot of what was happening at the time. So I gave that four stars, really enjoyed it. The next book I read was on audio, and this was Capote's Women. I talked about this briefly in a mood reads, but this is a nonfiction book that covers Truman Capote and the Swans, which is the new feud show that I am so excited to watch. They just had the premiere in New York, and like everyone cool was there, like Real Housewives, celebrities, obviously the cast. Um, and basically what that is, is the Capote's Swans were these um, high society women in New York. So Babe Paley, Lee Radswell, Gloria Guinness. Um, I don't remember any of the other names, but these women had, they're obviously like, it's not a surprise that I would be interested in them. They had such crazy, fascinating lives. And especially living in New York, like you, I walked by the Paley Center the other day, like these names are um, all over the place in the city, you know? So he, Capote, um, kind of became friends with them and like infiltrated their circle. And at this, he was friends with them over 
a pretty long period of time. And then he ended up writing a short story that was very clearly about them. And the women were like, he completely betrayed our trust and they shut him out of society. And he kind of lived like the rest of his life in exile from all of his friends. But it's written in a really interesting way. It also covers Capote's life story while going through all the different women. I didn't know much about his life story. Um, I mentioned this the last time I spoke about it, but I've read Breakfast at Tiffany's and In Cold Blood. So it was interesting. Uh, to learn more about the background of those two books. But it was really interesting to like learn about him as a person and the way that he was kind of infiltrating these women. And he just thought so little of them, even though they did so much for him. And he basically just didn't think that they would care that he was airing all their dirty laundry, like for the whole country to read. Um, And then they turned on him. And so that feud, the Swans vs. Capote, is what the show is going to be about. And I am so, so excited for it. The next book I read is Only If You're Lucky by Stacey Willingham, which I did cover on a recent episode, so I won't say too much. I recommend going back and listening to that if you want the full spiel, but this is a campus thriller set in North Carolina about a girl who comes to college um, depressed because she has just lost her best friend, and she kind of gets swept up in the in the uh, very popular clique, and she moves into their can- off-campus house with them next door to a house where a bunch of frat guys live, and you end up finding out that the most popular girl Lucy is missing and she is wanted for a murder. You don't know who is killed. So it's interspersed with the investigation in the future. And then you go back in the past following the main girl. I think her name was Margot. Um, in the time leading up to when she goes to college and her life in college living in this house with these girls. It was so good. I'm a huge fan of this author. Um, I I couldn't put it down. I just really liked it. There were some really great twists and I gave that four stars. The next book I read is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. And I am not going to say a single thing because you will have 45 minutes of me talking about it on Thursday. So tune in on Thursday for that episode. I will just leave you with this teaser. I gave it three stars. The next book I read is The Attic Children. I gave this four stars. This was my one of my 24 and 24 books, which the 24 and 24 challenge is when you pull 24 books because the year is 2024. Um, from your shelves and it's books that you have owned for over a year and the whole premise is to read those books within a year. I do two of those a month, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow is actually one of those books for me as well. So that and The Attic Child was, those are my two 24 and 24 books for January. I absolutely love this book. So it opens up and we are in um, a village in Africa in I think it's like the late 1800s and we meet this little boy Dikembe and he is the youngest in his family and his dad and his older brothers go off every day for work and he is kind of like, I want to go work with them, but he doesn't understand why he can't yet. And like, obviously it's because he's too young, but he is kept so, so sheltered. And one day he follows them and he sees them being brutalized and abused by white men. It was the Dutch. Um, and it, he kind of realizes that they're basically, well, he doesn't realize it, but it, what it is is that his family are like forced laborers and slaves basically for, um, the Dutch in they like took over. Um, and he, I don't remember like how exactly it happens, but basically one day his mom comes to him and says like, you are going on this adventure and I will see you soon. And you're going with this man. And he gets on this boat and he sails to England with this famous English adventurer and he never sees Africa again. And he gets to England and it, it's not what you would expect at first, but 
it, it is an abusive situation still. But at first, he is treated very well. And this man, who the explorer, basically treats him as his son. Um, and he changes his name to Celestine. And he sends him off to a great school. But he is aware that he is kind of still treated as, like, an oddity. Like, and um, he the explorer, like, has rooms full of, like, all of things that he – like treasures from his travels and he Celestine like realizes that he's one of those two but he's a bit conflicted because he's realizing that he is kind of being like he's getting an education which he like he's not it's hard to like he's not being abused in the sense that comes to happen in this book so events come to pass and eventually Celestine finds himself locked in the attic of their grand house and while he's up there he stows away his few belongings that he took from Africa with him and he scratches his name in the wall now it's a hundred years later, and we meet our female main character. I obviously forgot her name, but she is a white woman. And she finds out one day that she has inherited the her family's house. So it's she kind of insinuates she's like, Oh, she's finally dead, whatever. And you kind of know she doesn't have a great life, like she doesn't have any friends. She you can tell she's just like going through it. So you find out that. The woman who died was her stepmother and her stepmother was extremely abusive towards her and would lock her in the attic of the estate for periods of time. And when she was up there, she found Dikembe slash Celestine's objects and his name in the wall. So when she inherits the house, she goes back up there and she, she wants to figure out like that it wasn't a figment of her imagination. And it's still there. And then what follows is her going on this adventure and this mystery to learn who he was, try to figure out anything she can about him. And then there's flashbacks to Dikembe's life through like his childhood and his adulthood in England. It was so, so good. It really is a testament to the power of life and connection and also it like and race and I could not put this down. I cried. It is just, it's so emotional. Um, there is a lot of child abuse in this, but it is at the end, it's a beautiful story. I'm so glad I finally picked it up. I gave that four stars. The next book I read was The Woman Before Wallace, and this is a biographical fiction about Thelma Morgan. Um, Thelma was known in like the 20s and 30s as one of the magnificent Morgans, her and her twin sister, Gloria. Gloria went on to marry a Vanderbilt. Now you're probably thinking the name Gloria Vanderbilt sounds familiar to you. Her daughter was Gloria Vanderbilt, whose son is Anderson Cooper. So the main character of this book, Thelma, is Anderson Cooper's great aunt. So we meet her in kind of towards the end of the 20s, I think it is, or sometime in the 20s. And she has, she's recently divorced and her and her sister are American, but they spend so much time in Europe and she's back in Europe now. Um, and Gloria is married to Reggie Vanderbilt and she's kind of trying to get her feet back on the ground. Reggie ends up dying. And then what happens in her sister's life is this huge custody battle. That is one of the most famous custody battles of all time. I highly recommend um, researching the Gloria Vanderbilt trial. It is so fascinating and it is covered in this book. So Thelma in the current timeline is like going to New York, it, this part's in the 30s, to be there for her sister throughout the trial. And then there are flashbacks to her past in England as she remarries and like gets a footing in society. And she ends up catching the attention of the Prince of Wales, not 
Prince William, the Prince of Wales. Um, this is Prince Edward, who became Edward VIII, who his family called David, but he is the one who abdicated the throne to marry Wallace Simpson, hence the title, The Woman Before Wallace. So she and David, the Prince of Wales, have an affair. Um, and it was really interesting. You you see the whole affair play out. He is such a fascinating figure in history. I already knew Thelma's story because I know so much about um, just the royal family in general, but like I've read and researched a lot about Edward VIII. He's very fascinating to me. So um, you, he, he like has a country estate on Windsor property that like is a very big part of this book. You see um, George this the fifth who is the queen's father and the queen mother when they were young and they talk about like their young daughters elizabeth and margaret who is obviously queen elizabeth and princess margaret um and it's just so so interesting and then it this is a real thing that happened but um it is called the woman before wallace because thelma literally was the woman before wallace simpson like as we all know wallace was married but she thelma introduced Wallace and her husband into the prince's circle. And when Thelma had to sail to New York to be there for her sister for this crazy trial, she took Wallace to tea at the Ritz. And she was like, will you please just look after David for me? And obviously Wallace did. And the rest is literally history. Um, And I have heard that tale told so many times. It was very cool to see it through the perspective of Thelma to learn so much more about her. I really enjoyed this. This is really a story of um, society scandals in America and in England and how they played off of each other and were interwoven. And it was just so fascinating. Thelma had such an interesting life. And you guys know that I love just learning about women who had these like crazy, badass, cool, unbelievable lives. And Thelma definitely had one of them. I gave that four stars. That was by Bryn Turnbull, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, My favorite by her is The Last Grand Duchess, which is about Olga Romanov, who is the famous Anastasia's older sister. I read that. That was actually one of my first books of 2023. Um, I love that one. I'm a huge fan of hers. I think she she writes really great historical fiction. I think she's moved more into straight historical fiction now, but her biographical fiction, she just picks women that um, you don't, you wouldn't really think to, you know, like I had seen Thelma come up in other books, but I didn't even, it's funny. I had this book on my shelves for a long time. And then I realized one day it was about Thelma and I was like, oh my God, like I've seen her come up in so many other books. I want to read about her and I already had it, which was very convenient. So I love that book. The next is The Heiress by Rachel Hawkins, which I covered on a recent episode. It is the episode titled Newly Released Thrillers. So I recommend going to listen to that if you want to hear more about it. But this is kind of like a Knives Out type thriller, old money, giant family estate, fighting about inheritance. Loved it. The next book that I read is The Ice Swan. I gave this three stars. This is a World War One historical fiction. I actually almost DNF'd this. I'm glad that I didn't, though. This is very different from any other historical fiction that I've read. So our main character is a Russian princess. And now Russian historical fiction is a newer genre for me. Um, their history is so rich and so complex and it just takes me a bit I need to read some more before I start putting things together so like I said I loved the the first grand the last grand duchess about Olga Romanov so the main girl in this book her name is Svetlana and she is a Russian princess but she's not like a Romanov so um I have to do a bit more research because it seems like they have the Russians have like a lot of princesses but obviously we know their aristocracy was a little bit out of control because 
history. So the book opens, though, and Svetlana and her family are fleeing for their lives because the Russian Revolution and the Bolsheviks have come to their door. And her her mother and her sister end up in France, and her dad and her brother stay behind in Russia to fight the Red Army, I think. Um, and this was really interesting because now they are suddenly refugees in France during World War One. So there's a lot going on there. Um, and they go from the high life, literal princesses to beggars on the street. And Svetlana is very resourceful and realistic about their situations. And her mom isn't. And that like plays a huge role as the story goes on. But basically, one day Svetlana is on the street. She runs into this English man who we find out um, is a surgeon at a hospital in France. He is the second son of a lord, and they kind of hit it off, and they have this, like, really interesting relationship. Like, at first, they were, like, obsessed with each other, and then there's, like, a lot of banter, but I I really liked it. Um, And... There's a really interesting subplot with him because he's a surgeon and I just never knew anything about this, but I never knew anything about the history of cardiology until I read this book. But he is at the forefront of like new cardiological advance, scientific advances. Um, and I never knew this, but like surgeons at this time, like a hundred years ago, would they thought it was like you didn't touch the heart because the heart was like the soul of the body. So they wouldn't operate on it. And he thinks that you should, obviously. So that comes to be a huge thing. And then there are so many twists and turns. We follow them in Paris. They end up in Scotland. So much happens. Their past from Russia ends up meeting up with them again. I honestly, like, I was so into this. And, like, I feel like it should have been a four-star read. But by the end, I I mean, in the beginning, it took me so long to get into it. I Like I said, I almost DNF'd it. So that's why I knocked it down to three stars. But I did really like it. I I'm in. I'm really into World War One historical fiction, and there just aren't as many as World War II, and this was a very unique one, so I would recommend it. The next book is First Lie Wins, which I also covered on that newly released thriller episode, so I recommend going to listen to that. I gave this four stars. It's a kind of like spy heist con artist scammer thriller. I really loved it. I just looked at the time, and I'm like, oh my god, I have to leave for dinner in a half hour, but it's fine. <laughs> I just read too many books this month, and I, you, I knew I would end up talking about all of them for so long, but it's good. We're, we're having fun. Um, the next book that I read, this was my monthly nonfiction book. I read Paris, which is Paris Hilton's memoir. I gave this four stars. I have already watched, I watched Paris's documentary in 2020 when it came out. And then I have watched both seasons of her show on Peacock. Um, the second season is the aftermath of this book coming out. So I highly, highly recommend watching that after you read this book. But I grew up obsessed with Paris. I was watching The Simple Age when I was too young. I was like 10 years old with a tank top that said that's hot. I was just like so into that whole thing, which I feel like is not surprising. Um, And I really loved in the last few years how she has kind of come forward and introduced the real Paris to us rather than this cartoon character that she's been presenting to society for the last 20 years. And she has gone through so, so much. This parts of this book are really hard to read. Um, but I think she is so brave for sharing the story. And I really commend her for doing that. And she is now taking such positive action. Like she's in Washington fighting to change laws to protect children. So I really love this. I highly recommend if you've ever been slightly interested in Paris Hilton, you just really get to know the real woman. Um, and then after you watch it, watch after you read it, go and watch her show. 
the next two books were my Crescent City reread. So I am going to talk a lot more about Crescent City on next week's episode because um, I've had to record things out of order. So I don't want to waste – I don't want to like be too repetitive with this, but I decided to reread both Crescent Cities before Crescent City 3 comes out. I originally was only going to reread Crescent City 2, but then I was with my sister and she just reread the first one and she mentioned something and I was like, oh yeah, I don't remember anything. I'm so glad that I reread them because I did not remember anything from Crescent City 2. Like every plot twist hit as hard as it did when I first read it two years ago. I think I was so freaked out by the last chapter of Crescent City 2 that I blocked all 800 other pages out. I'm so glad that I reread them though. I really enjoyed the experience. Um, I gave the first book five stars all three times that I have read it now. And I gave the second book four stars both times I read it because in the middle, it just dragged a little too much. There's too much underwater stuff. Um, if you know what I'm talking about, if you have read it, but really so happy that I reread them. I enjoyed it. took me like a week to get through both books. I just really loved the experience. Um, and I'm so excited for Crescent City 3. The next book, this is the actual first five-star read of 2024. And this is my first audiobook five-star read, I think. It is The Palace Papers by Tina Brown. This is a nonfiction book about the British royal family. If you are looking to learn anything about the House of Windsor, this is the book I recommend you pick up. Everything she reports is factual and non-biased. You cannot say she goes harder on she goes hard on Meghan Harry because she goes hard on all of them. This covers the Queen's whole reign, and there is a new epilogue that covers the exact um, the immediate aftermath of her death. She goes in on everyone, and I have been following and. Uh, studying this family since I was 13 years old. I just, I, my teacher in sixth grade had a poster of Princess Diana in the back of her classroom. Um, it was the black and white, like Vogue photo shoot. And no one really knew who she was. And my teacher was like, oh, she is a princess who like did a lot of great work and she died in a car accident. And I just remember sitting there being so blown away that a princess could possibly die in a car accident. And I went home and I just researched everything I could about the royal family and I have just been studying them ever since. I feel like it's not a surprise to you guys listening. Um and it just goes into the it weaves into the historical things that I'm so interested in. So this did a really great job of talking about historical things, educating you on how things really work, all the modern scandals. She goes in on Andrew and Epstein, a lot of stuff about Epstein I never knew before. A lot of stuff about the family that I just had never heard before, which is saying something since I have been so into following them for more than half of my life. She goes deep in on Charles and Camilla um, thing. I learned a lot about Camilla, which I really enjoyed those parts, but so good. I just did not want it to end. Highly recommend on audio. It was so great. I felt like I was just listening to a really good podcast nonstop. Absolutely loved it. The next book I read is The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. This was my book club pick for the month. I had never heard of this book and I probably never would have read it if I it was not a book club pick. I am in a book club where we read a book based in a different country every we meet every other month and then we go to a restaurant from that country that month. So this is this uh, month's pick was Australia. This book takes place in Australia. We meet Alice Hart as a child. She is in a very abusive household and she um events happen that lead her to live with her grandmother and we follow her whole life. I really can't say much, but I just so enjoyed this. I got completely lost and immersed in it. It is emotional. It is you. It's just so good. I really loved it. I gave that four stars. The next book is The Fury, which is the new Alex Mickle, whatever, um, the author of this the Silent Patient. I read this last night in one sitting and I had the craziest reading experience. And from my DMs, I can tell that so many of you 
did too. So I didn't like this book. I probably, I almost DNF'd it on page 30. And then the next thing I knew, it, I was on page 200. Like I could not stop reading this book. There's something about the way that it is written that was like spellbinding and I just could not stop, but I didn't like it. Like even as I was reading it, I didn't like it, but I couldn't stop. It's basically a and then there were none-esque murder mystery where the narrator speaks directly to you, the reader, which I don't know what tense that like perspective that like first person, third person, whatever. I could never be bothered to memorize what those meant. <laughs> but it's one, it's the one where they're speaking directly to you. Um, and it it's about a famous actress and there's money and wealth and obviously murder involved. And I cannot even tell you like what I read. I just didn't like it, but I couldn't stop. And I posted like when I was halfway through and I was like, I don't like this book, but I can't stop reading it. And so many people flooded my DMs. And then the same thing I posted, I was like, I just stayed up until 1.30 in the morning reading this in one sitting and I don't think I liked it. And so many people agreed with me. So um, yeah, I don't know. I guess kudos to the author for writing in a way that made me not be able to stop, but I just didn't really like it. The final book is Magnolia Parks Into the Dark, which full disclosure, I have not read yet. I'm recording this on the 27th and there are still a few days left in January. So I will be finishing it over the next few days. This is the fifth book in the Magnolia Park series. You guys know how much I love them. I talked about the series on my top books five through one of 2023. If you want to go learn more about that, this one picks up where the second where the third book left off because um, that was the last time we were in Magnolia's perspective. I'm really enjoying it so far. I can tell it's going to be a four-star read just because I don't love Magnolia as I'm as much as I love Daisy. And I'm already reading this. Like I can't wait for the next book because it's going to be a Daisy book. But it, um, I've cried a few times. If you have read the series, I think you know it's probably going to be sad. It, it is very emotional. But I'm loving being back with these characters and it's so funny because I started rewatching Gossip Girl and it is just so Gossip Girl coded, but I love this series so much. I And it's also very strange reading this book in New York because um, I went on my whole wild treasure hunt and I read all four other books when I was on my month-long trip to the UK. And so this is the first one I'm reading in America. And it was so funny when I was on my trip, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to read the next book in New York. Like that kind of sucks. Like I really wish I was in London right now reading this, but I am kind of glad I didn't have this one on my trip just because I have gotten very upset and have cried a few times. And I just don't really think I needed to be like reading on the grounds of Hampton Court Palace crying over this book. But um, I'm going to go ahead and say I can already tell it's going to be a four-star read. So those are all the books I read in January. Let me know if you guys like this. I think it's a cool way to kind of just tell you about all the books I read. Um, if you are not following on KredWhat over there, I post every book as I read it with the star rating and I give my immediate thoughts review, which fun fact, I think that those immediate thoughts reviews are those are my reviews I would go off of because no thought really goes in it. You're getting the real raw reaction. So if I was ever going to convince you to read a book, I think um, check out those reviews. They're all saved to my reviews highlights. But that is our show. Oh my God. I just talked so long about so many books, but I love doing it. Um, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you're following, subscribe to whatever you get to do on every podcast platform you are listening on. Follow me on Instagram at Kara What? Follow the show at Professional Book Girl. Book Club is on Thursday. The book is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. So finish the book before then. Otherwise, I talk so many spoilers about it. So um, I think that's all of our announcements for now. I will see you on Thursday this week. Happy reading.